Every time you get triggered, you should inquire in and go, what about that situation triggered me? And where do I need healing? I invite you, the next time something comes up and you usually distract yourself, stop for a moment, breathe, and just allow whatever is happening in your body to happen. It's not going to be comfortable. That's the point. Whenever you feel discomfort, go towards it. Touch it, explore it, inquire. It's always talking to us. If you can consistently go towards it and touch it and be with it and nurture it, you're going to have more range. And if you can have more range, you're going to have more expression. And if you have more expression, you're going to have a beautiful life. Welcome to the Heart of Man podcast, a podcast for any man seeking to live in alignment with his deepest core and lead a life of profound meaning and connection. I'm your host, Alex Lehman, and I'm here to empower you through transformative conversations, eye-opening insights, and practical wisdom. Join me now as we venture into the heart of man. Let's dive in. Miel Steenfeldt is an emotional intelligence coach and an expert in human behavior with more than a decade of experience helping individuals break free from old beliefs and shed habitual patterns so they can lead themselves more effectively in their lives with a sense of meaning and fulfillment. Miel's journey into personal development took a unique path through his career as a professional fashion model. Through his exposure to the competitive and cutthroat industry, he came face to face with his own lack of confidence and fear of rejection early on. He came to realize his success in the business would need him to take ownership over his own insecurities and do the internal work that was necessary. And his journey required him to seek out how to communicate effectively, leave powerful first impressions, and learn to carry himself with an embodied sense of confidence that is not solely an outward expression, but is rather felt deeply within. Having always had a curious and introspective nature, coupled with his deep desire to grow, Emil was first introduced to the field of self-development. Naturally, he came to later transition full-time into the personal development world, where he's made it his mission to help others with the challenges he had faced himself, such as building confidence, regulating one's emotions, healing past wounds, and communicating effectively. Emil and I first connected after he attended our weekly breathwork circles, and I just knew we had to come together to dive deep into topics such as emotions and human behavior. What followed was a rich conversation where we covered topics such as healing the wounds from our fathers, the importance of emotional awareness and regulation, dealing with triggers, navigating the pitfalls of comparison, stepping into embodied confidence, and many more. This was a rich conversation where both Emil and I passionately share about themes that are so close to both of our lives with the intention to provide as much value as we can for all you listeners. I can't wait for all of you to listen in to this engaging dialogue between the two of us. Let's dive straight in. Emil, welcome to the Heart of Man podcast. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you for having me. I feel really excited for this conversation today. Uh, just to give a bit of context for the listeners, um, I actually met you, I don't know, it must have been around a year ago uh, when you started coming to the breathwork circles at Breathwork Bali. And then I started hearing a little bit about you and as well the background of your work uh, with your expertise on emotional intelligence and human behavior. And I just knew that we had to come together for our conversation. So I really appreciate uh, you uh, accepting the offer. Thank you. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Getting deep into some juicy content. I mean, there's so many different 
aspects of the conversation that I would love to get into. Um, but before I do, I would love to maybe just offer the frame and some context for our listeners. Um, from my understanding, your journey started uh, working as a professional model, if I'm correct. I'd be really curious to hear that trajectory from being a professional model, moving then into personal development and becoming an emotional intelligence coach. Yeah, so the journey started quite a while ago, like um, almost, yeah, 20 years ago now. Um, I'm 40, so when I first started modeling, I got asked several times, maybe 18 to about 21, if I would become a model. And to be real, it was exciting for me, but I was also really scared to say yes to it. So for three years, I kept on saying, no, I don't want mm. to do it. And the only reason that I said I don't want to do it is because I was afraid of rejection. Mm. And this is what brought me into the space of like self-development because ultimately it was what I had to go to, which was going towards rejection that actually led me to transform that idea about myself and led me to accept myself on a deeper level. Now you think about modeling, it's it's 95% rejection. Right. You've got wow. people that are going to look at you, judge you based on what you look like all the time. And as human beings, we want to be able seen, we want to feel heard and understood. And those are our three basic needs. So when you're going into an industry that is so brutal, where you're just a product, and if you don't have a sense of yourself, then it can be very dangerous, right? You can get really unhealthy. You can look in yourself in the mirror and be like, it's not good enough and constantly overtrain. You know, I need to be more muscly. I need to have this kind of physique. I need to show up in this way. And that makes you feel more disconnected from yourself. Right. So it's interesting, like going into modeling as a person that didn't accept myself, modeling taught me how to accept myself. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it was a thing that you don't, you have the most resistance towards. Mm. I had the most resistance towards putting myself out there because if I did and they didn't accept me, then that means I'm not good enough, right. which was my deepest story. So going through this, this transformation, the modeling gave me so many gifts. It taught me about acceptance. It taught me about confidence, real confidence, not like this fake confidence where you know, you're the loudest person in the room, but like real confidence, which is presence, which is an energy that comes into this space, right? It's like when you shake someone's hand and you, you make eye contact and you actually remember their name versus like, I'm shaking your hand, but I don't know what's actually happening. Yeah. You're not really there. Yes. So yeah, modeling was a, was a journey that took me throughout the world, 12 years, you know, where I lived in New York, Hong Kong, Singapore, Barcelona, Germany, and and it wasn't until, you know, I had agencies all over the world until I hit Paris and I was meant to meet um, a fashion label there. And I thought, I might as well see if I can get an agency there. And no one wanted to see me. Mm. And I was like, I got agencies in New York, LA, Hong Kong, mm. you know, like, why wouldn't they? And my agent told me, yeah, they're not really interested in your look. And I was like, no, nah, that's bullshit. So I went and went to the agencies anyway. And that one day, Alex, I got rejected by about 12 agencies. Wow. 
right? Now, this is already me 10 years in modeling. So 10 agencies literally rejected me in one day. And that was the day my self-esteem didn't rise or fall based on the rejection. And that's when I understood that I learned the lesson. So it was one of those journeys where it's like, you have to keep going and going and going until you don't feel that same thing. Would you say that was your driver uh, to get into modeling, that you really wanted to face that fear of rejection? Not at the start. I got asked several times. What got you into it? Because you said you resisted I got it, right? so many people. I had a few people asking me like, you should do modeling, you should do this, you should do this. And when you look at something, you're like, ooh, that's way too confronting, right? And the inner perfectionist in me was like, I'll only do things if I know I can succeed, right? Right. <laughs> so I would do things that I knew I could succeed in. And the thing with modeling is that I had no idea about what it, what it was, right? I just see people on the screen. I see people in the commercials. And it's this illusion, right? Because when we look at people that are in the spotlight, in magazines, on the screen, we think that they're confident. And I've never met more insecure people in my life. Mm. And it's really because we're being judged on a consistent basis yeah, for how you look, how you show up, you know, and it's brutal. Like I said, they, you got a casting director telling you directly to your face, mm, you don't look like your pictures, right? I had girls that I knew that were starving themselves just to make sure that they stay in enough, though enough weight so that um, they can fit the clothes, which is really unhealthy. Yeah. And that sounds absolutely brutal. I mean, I've never really been exposed to anybody in the modeling industry, but yeah. uh, I can only imagine the type of impact that may have on somebody's uh, own sense of self-worth and sense of self-esteem if you're really getting that um, direct feedback and someone being so um, direct as well with you uh, on that. So I'm curious to hear, like you started touching a little bit more into the topic of confidence. What was your journey around that? And what, what did you really have to do in order to step into a deeper confidence so that when you entered the age of 30, when you were in Paris, um, that you said, I, I learned a lesson? I think whenever I dive into anything, naturally, this is what I'm actually proud of. Like I, I do want to be the best at what I do, right? If I say I'm going to do this, I'm doing it. It's not halfway. It's either I'm doing it or I'm not. Right. And I think when I'm dissecting something and, and looking at something new, it's like the matrix at the start. You know, it comes, comes down. You're like, what is this space, right? Whenever you go to a new country, you're like, how does this work? Whenever you get into a new company or a new role, you're like, how do people do this? Mm. You know, so I would always ask myself from the very start, like, who's the best at do it, that is doing this? And then I would look at them and be like, what are they doing? Because success leaves clues, mm. Alex. So I'm going, why are they successful? Right? And of course, they either have a good look, they have a good face, maybe they've got a great body. But it's beyond that. When you're in front of a camera, it's, it's energy. Energy is transferring through the camera. You can't lie to the camera. The camera picks up every little energy, any, every part of energy, right? If you're not confident, the camera's going to pick that up. You're going to feel it and you're going to feel exposed. So you have to really, you can't fake feeling good. You have to feel good, mm. right? Because when you feel good, it transfers through you, mm. right? So it starts in here, right? 
So going to the gym, meditating. I was reading books back then already about myself, about emotions, about how to communicate, how to um, make an impression on someone. Because you remember, when you go to a casting, you got five seconds to make an impression and then they forget you. So I was already asking then, like 21, like 20 years ago, what's going to be the difference between me and every other person mm. who walks into this room, right? Now, when you start asking yourself that kind of question, you start to be like, okay, what are my differences? What are my strengths, right? How can I build connection in five seconds? How can I make sure that they remember me? Mm. And I used to always have this saying that if I do book the job, I'm going to be the easiest model you've ever worked with, meaning I'll be on time, meaning I will make sure I know every angle necessary so it's the easiest model that the photographers ever work with because the photographer is going to be talking to the producer um i'll be quick i'll be efficient mm. right and wouldn't complain now most of the models not all of them but a lot of them would complain after a while like you've been doing this for a while like they can get a little bit entitled right right and when you're working with someone that's entitled or is constantly nitpicking it makes the job harder right so again i was already thinking outside of the box to be yeah. like how can i be the difference in that space mm. there's a few things i'm hearing out it really seems to me that you had this deep capacity to observe mm. to really feel a space um to self-inquire and and really already had a deep capacity for introspection and self-reflection yeah and coupled with a sense of humility as well you know which is i would say maybe on the other side of the spectrum of of that entitlement and that actually served you yeah I, I grew up with parents that work really hard and like i said i think the thing that drove me to constantly just keep going once i decided i'm doing it was the worth ethic that my parents delivered with me yeah you know? Yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, there's a few things I can definitely relate to as well with my own personal story. First of all, um, growing up in Germany, my parents were actually immigrants from Russia. Mm -hmm. So I definitely had as well that um, experience of being exposed to a very hardworking class family. And they very much taught me that sense of work ethic and that sense of really giving it my all, but as well having a sense of humility. Yeah. And the other thing as well that I, I just want to name, um, you know, of course, I was never in, in the modeling industry, but um, there is something about what you shared that I can as well personally relate to, considering that when I, when I grew up in school, I very much got bullied um, a lot as well around my appearance. And so that created a deep fear and anxiety inside myself of how I am perceived and as well how to be with other people. Because ultimately I had to, as a survival mechanism, really learn how to be with other people so I won't be made the punching bag. Yeah. And so that ultimately created this capacity or the skill inside of me to introspect, to self-reflect and, and really inquire into how do I need to be in each situation to, to really, yeah, come out on the other side and not actually yeah, be the victim of being a punching bag. Right? It's, it's funny you say, bro, because that's actually the blessing mm. of having inconsistent behaviors around you, right? Maybe your parents have been inconsistent. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so, and people around you. So I always say that the blessing of, of your wounds 
and growing up with inconsistency is that you become more in tune with what's happening around you mm. and you have to as a way of surviving yeah you know so then that gives you more intel you're like you read situations and as you start to read situations you start to understand that that's actually you're reading people and if we can learn to read people and check in with ourselves though of how we feel like from a young age you said i didn't feel safe in my body right and from you not feeling safe in your body that is got that is driven you to want to understand it mm. and because now you want to understand that you're understanding yourself now you understand yourself you understand people yeah right yeah absolutely i mean I guess another way of saying it, I just didn't have it easy in life, right? And so because I didn't have it easy in life, it really required me to reflect on what do I need to do in order to show up in a way where I can show up with more happiness because ultimately um, my upbringing caused a lot of pain. Mm. And so my deep inquiry was how can I really um, lead a life where I can feel a bit more fulfillment and happiness, which really... Um, I guess, open the door for a lot of um, curiosity for personal development. I'm curious to hear, what was the moment that really got you all in in regards to the personal growth space? I heard your dad influenced you a lot. Yeah, around that, well, he's the reason why I, I started with emotional intelligence is because he had lack of emotional mm. intelligence. Um, my dad didn't know how to express love. Um, and naturally, I didn't know how to express love. You know, when people or friends would say, I love you, I'd be like, ooh, it's weird. You know, I wouldn't know how to receive it. I didn't know how to express it. And the only reason why is because he never really expressed it. Now, we always carry on our parents' patterns, right? And it wasn't until I was 21, um, I was in a self-development workshop called Landmark. I did my first self-development workshop with him maybe three months prior and I had massive growth. And then I did the advanced one with my mother and my mother's a psychologist. So she was the one that introduced me to the self-development space. Right. So I was in a, I was in a session, I'm 21, I'm in this advanced workshop and one of the facilitators he's asking questions to the group and in the moment he says um he said do you want to invite anyone to to do this i said yeah i really want to invite my girlfriend and he's like yeah cool and he's like tell me why and i said well i just think that she just needs this right now and i think she's going to unpack so much and she's gone through her own traumas and he's like do you love her and i was like huh he goes do you love her? And I said, I couldn't answer the question. Hmm. Why couldn't I answer the question? I couldn't answer the question because I didn't know what love was. And I had this meaning that love was this grandiose, huge thing that if I love you, I actually like you a lot. But I had conditions. It had to be this thing. It had to reach this peak before I could express it. Right? I thought that me saying I love you was going to take away something from me. And in fact, it's the opposite. Or were you afraid that it would take away from you? If the person doesn't love me back, then it's going to take, take that from me. Mm. Right? So I had conditions of if I express this, I got to make sure. Remember I said to you before, 
I would only do things if I knew there was going to be an ROI, a yeah. return on investment. Right. So if I express love to you, you better fucking tell me. It's, yeah, you, you better know, love me like, as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, but guess how that allows you to live? Mm. You, you're in a box. There's no way of expressing yourself. And when you lack expression, you lack freedom. Mm. And that was when I really understood that I had a problem with love. Yeah. Curious to hear, how did it impact you that your dad was never able to express love to you? How did that influence you? I mean, it, in every way. Mm. I, couldn't, I couldn't express it to my partner. Mm. I couldn't receive it properly. Mm. I would react to situations. Mm. I would cut people off. Mm. And I cut people off because I didn't know what was happening in my body. You know, emotions is energy in motion. Now, in those moments, I would feel those feelings and be like, I don't like this. You're the cause of it. I'll yep. blame you and I'll react. And then when I react, what's happening is I just want to get that as far away as possible. Right. And I would shut off. And as men, we shut off. Mm. And what I would do, I would put a wall up. I'm setting a boundary when in fact I'm hiding. Now, the moment I put a wall up, what I'm doing is I'm hiding behind and holding on to all this shit. Thinking I'm protecting myself, but I'm really numbing myself. Now, in those moments, like 21 years ago, when I did that self-development workshop, I had to confront my father. And I had to ask him the question. I said, why don't you love me? 21 years old, why don't you love me? He's like, I do love you. I said, I know you love me, but how come you don't express it? Mm. And he said, because my father never expressed it to me. Mm. And that's the way we were in South Africa. And I said, I don't want to have this with my son or my daughter. And I said, I want you to come to the next, the advanced course. He says, I want to do it. But he goes, it's, it's, I've had enough. It's too confronting. And I said, why did you move from a strip from South Africa to Australia? And he said, to give you guys a better life. Now, I'm 21, Alex, and I said, you can move us from South Africa to Australia, but if you hold on to the same beliefs that you had in South Africa about love, about your freedom, then you might as well stay in South Africa. It's powerful. Mm -hmm. And I said, from now on, I'm going to express love to you, meaning I'm going to say it. Even if you don't say it, I'm going to change this pattern. And I had to take responsibility for how I was showing up first, not wait for him. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me more about that? Well, you think about responsibility, right? We think nobody wants to take responsibility. Why? Because responsibility, when we're kids, when we were told who's responsible for this, usually means we're going to get an ass whipped. So I was like, don't take responsibility. Yeah. I'm going to get in trouble. Yeah. And there's you know? a sense of shame as well yeah. that arises and then I'm bad and wrong. Right. Mm. And no one wants to be wrong. Yeah. So you think about it, right? From 16 years old, my parents were not in the best place in the relationship. I hate my dad. To the point where my mom says, I think I'm going to leave your father. And I'm 16 years old. And I said, you know what? If you leave, I'm coming with you. And in that moment, I had no guilt, no remorse because I just had my wool up, right? I had my back to him and he had his back to me. 
no one was communicating. We're mirrors. Now, in that moment, I realized at Landmark, after doing this self-development workshop, how much I was blaming him for my pain. And whenever I'm blaming him for my pain, I'm staying stuck. Nothing changes. And we think that we're protecting ourselves. But in fact, we think, oh, I'm just doing it with him. But guess what? If you're switched off from love and you have resentment and bitterness there, it's going to happen in other relationships. Mm -hmm. The same thing's going to repeat. And until you heal that part, that's when you can open up other spaces. Like you can't just be like, oh, I, I love you, but you, you're dead to me. Mm. It's like there is something there you're trying to protect. So I had to take responsibility for how I showed up in that relationship. And it came from me first. And when I fully took responsibility, not half responsibility, full responsibility, right? How he raised me in the past, he gave me everything I needed. But there were certain parts where I needed him to express more and love more, which he didn't know how to, you know? And when you start to become a little bit more emotionally mature and, and understand how triggers work, I stopped holding him at this pace where he should know. And I started to accept him for where he's at. Mm -hmm. And the moment I accepted him, I had to accept me first. The moment I accepted me, I could accept him. Mm -hmm. And in those moments, he felt the acceptance. So remember, we're mirrors. So in that moment, when I started to fully accept myself and accept myself for, for those flaws and forgive myself first, and you're probably thinking, well, forgive yourself for what? But forgive myself for the judgments I made about myself, the judgments I made about him, the resentments I had about him. That was the moment he could turn and face me. And we could have honest conversations. Now, when you can have a, a full, honest conversation and say, hey, dad, and mom, this is how I've showed up in the past. This is what I'm ashamed of. And I mean, expressed everything. Like my deepest, darkest secrets, Alex, that I would never want them to know because I wanted them to be proud of me and I wanted him to love me. And I openly expressed everything. And although it was uncomfortable as anything, he couldn't even look me in the eye when I expressed it. And I'm talking like, let me give you context, right? For, for people listening. There was a time in my life where I was working in clubs and we were saving up to go to Europe. And I ended up, um, one of my buddies was like, let's deal ecstasy, right? And it wasn't massive amounts, but it was enough to, to fund our trip for Europe, right? And at the same time, I had massive shame around this because here I am, this perfect boy who's got a job, like I was working like in a bank and I was working in the clubs on the weekend, but like I had a proper stable thing. Like I was 21, I had my own apartment, you know, I'm renting in the city and, I, and it looks all great and they don't need the other side of it. And in order for you to really harness and connect and have a real relationship with someone, You've got to open up everything. There can't be like in between. For you to feel really connected, nothing between. This is what I wanted. This is what I desired. I was ready to risk it by telling him everything. And the moment I expressed everything and I said, I'm not 
proud of it, but this is what I did. Three days, he didn't talk to me. And that was tough. And also to see my mom's face when I expressed that to her. But after that, my relationship with him transformed immensely. What was it like receiving their um, yeah, reception of what you told them? What was it like those three days? It was just tough. seeing their gaze. It was tough. It was there was avoidance patterns. Like my mom was a little bit more open and and they both felt sad. But at the same time, it, I knew that I wasn't going back. Mm. Right? The reason why I expressed it is because of the, the connection I wanted to, to cultivate. What made you so sure that this is the pathway to get the connection that you wanted? I wasn't. Because <laughs> I really, I mean, like you were 21 at the time, right? Yeah. I really admire your courage, your ability to just go all in on that, right? And and really, like, <laughs> I mean, open all the doors, right? And just really reveal yourself and say, this is me, right? I wasn't, I wasn't sure. But I knew that's what my intuition was saying. Yeah. It was like, if you want to have that connection, you can't have anything between. So the moment I opened up that space, when you release shame on such a deep level, incredible things happen. Because shame is one of the heaviest emotions we can hold on, sure, right? And shame can't last in the dark. Yeah. So the moment you bring it to light, shame dissipates. Mm. And in that moment, I release so much shame and guilt that I've been holding on to trying to be the good son, the perfect son, instead of like, this is me, take it or leave it. And luckily they did take it. Unfortunately, I've heard families where it's like, you're not my son or you're not my, you know, which yeah. to me is tough. But at the same time, it's like, you can't lie to mm. yourself, all right? And the, the more you lie to yourself and the more inauthentic you're being with yourself, the more disconnected you're going to feel. Sounds like you had to fully embrace yourself as you are and accept this is me. You know, these are the this, this sides of me that are challenging. These are signs that of me that are f like flawed, imperfect. Yeah. And these are all as well, all the good sides of me that, you know, you may see of me already. Yeah. Right? And you had to really accept both of those to really show up in a way that is whole and integrated. Yeah. It's the dark side, ultimately. And it's a side that you don't want people to see. And throughout that journey, it's like from that, you know, 21 was when I first started my self-development. Then I started studying coaching. And then I went from like life coaching. I did my yoga teacher training. I did hypnotherapy, timeline therapy, acceptance and commitment therapy, theta healing, Reiki, you know, all types. But it's from that that I started inquiring more and more and more. It was like it was like this drug because it's like once you open up the blinkers, as you know for yourself, it's like you're like, oh, there's more. Oh, what's that? What's this? Right. And the more I started to understand myself on a deeper level, the more I started to understand people. Yeah. And this is what's beautiful about this journey is that it doesn't stop. It's still going. Like my dad literally comes to my events now. He does. He's been doing yoga now 14 years. He does meditation. Um, I'm able to have the most epic conversations. So when I share with people like, this is how my dad and I used to be like, and then they see him now, they're like, how? Right? Yeah, this is really powerful. And I actually want to share with you 
um, a personal experience I'm having in the present moment time. Uh, I mentioned to you that I recently came back from the US. Um, so I'm actually currently going through a six month mentorship program with one of my mentors. His name is Amir Kaligi. Um, and he specifically focuses on the realm of men's embodiment. And so within this retreat, uh, a really big layer that I was moving through was my own relationship to my father. And it, it's really been something that I've done a lot of work on. And yet at the same time, it, it, it really seems like there's a bigger piece here that I'm really now coming into a deeper understanding of. And the deep recognition that I was really having is that I'm not allowing myself to love him and I'm not allowing him to love me. And I, I really came into presence of that wall that's between that, us and that's ultimately leading us to really not have the connection that I desire. But because I'm not allowing him to love me and I'm not allowing myself to love him, it's leaking out in all kinds of different ways. I'm seeking recognition and acknowledgement specifically from male figures all the time. I'm attempting to be perfect. I'm striving. I am consistently um, exploring ways to be perfect. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, like those were all the ways that was showing up for me. And I noticed that the deep thing that I wanted on the other side of all this striving is relationship. You know, you say perfect, right? And why do we want perfect? Like when you think about it, we want perfect because perfect is accepted. Yeah. Perfect gets praise. Yeah. Perfect gets love. And so I, can, I won't as well get hurt yeah. if I'm perfect. Yeah. So it's like avoiding. We know that when we love, there's risk. Yeah. And in order to have great love, there's great risk. Mm. And we have to understand that every single time we have that in, in front of us, that, that this could be a part of it. Mm. That's powerful. Because I, I, I don't know, there is maybe the story that I've been told growing up that when you're in a loving relationship with somebody that that hurt is not supposed to be a part of it. And now I recognize the more I open my heart to somebody, the more I love somebody, the more vulnerable am I, you know, for myself to get hurt. Because as soon as they act in a way that uh, I perceive to be not loving or in a way that doesn't feel accepting to me, it's fucking painful. It's a fucking painful, right? But I've come to recognize now that the commitment that I now choose to have within my relationships is to keep my hope, uh, heart open despite um, the ability to get hurt within each situation. I think that's one of the hardest things to learn, even as men, is to how do you, how do you stay open when it's not going your way or when you're getting triggered? So how would you support men with that? Well, I always, I always go, I start with like, what's, when do you shut down? What are the things that get you to shut down? All right. And how do we avoid? So I'd always get men to figure out like where, what are the emotional patterns that we allow and don't want to feel? Because ultimately what, what's happening right now is like, you don't want to feel an emotion and we don't want to feel the emotion because of what it's going to bring up in us. Right. So how can I allow myself to be with that emotion? Mm. And I say allow because most of the time we suppress it or distract or do something, move in a different way, not to feel that emotion. Yeah. What are some of the main emotions that you notice men are avoiding? 
um, vulnerability, key, um, sadness, expression. Why don't we express or show that we're hurt? Because it looks weak. So cool. Looks weak, right? So I don't want to be perceived as weak. So I'd rather just keep this stoic face and pretend like I've got my shit together. But really deep down, I'm not. And this pattern really runs deep. I mean, I've been in this work for, I'm going to say around eight to nine years now. Um, and I've really been on a deep journey of opening myself up emotionally. And yet at the same time, there is this still this really deep narrative inside of me. Don't show your emotions, Alex, right? Don't, don't reveal that to other people, specifically because there is this societal story that we've been told about who to be as men. Yeah. And the big story is, if we do express that part of us, um, we will be perceived as weak. Yeah. But I would say as well, from my own personal experiences, I've received personal feedback where I felt rejected because of the emotional vulnerability that I showed. Whether it was in emotion, like in relationships, yeah. because my partner didn't feel I was trustable, yeah. or other men couldn't trust me either. Yeah. So this is the thing with emotions, right? When when some people cannot handle emotions, or don't, or judge their own emotions, of course they're going to judge your emotions. So in this moment, of course, sometimes you're going to be mirroring someone that doesn't want to feel. And if this partner of yours is like, well, I don't feel safe. It's like, when do we feel safe? How do we learn to feel safe? Right? First, we have to learn to regulate ourselves. Mm. Right? How do we check in with ourselves to like, I feel safe? Right? How do I accept myself? And it starts from you first, ultimately accepting like your deepest, darkest wounds, not waiting for someone else to, to accept it. Right? From, for years, that's what I was doing. I was waiting for someone else to validate me, my father, and also to accept me. And the moment I stopped waiting for him to validate me and accept me and give myself my permission to do and be who I need to be, the moment the way he validated me didn't affect me because I validated me, right? So in relationship, it's the same thing. It's like we get into relationship and what we do, we're like, oh, this person's amazing. I love them the way they, they make me feel. And then, I, you know, a few months goes past and the honeymoon phase starts to go down and all of a sudden they're not validating the way I need them to validate me. And then the triggers come. And the trigger is our opportunity to heal, right? Now, the moment we say you're triggering me, that's great. That's your ticket to, to freedom. Every time you get triggered, you should inquire in and go, what about that situation triggered me and where do I need healing? In that space yeah right so i always visualize like we've got like all these different wounds on our bodies mm. and they're hidden and they're going to get triggered at different times no matter how much work you've done right and it's part of it and if you can really embrace your triggers and understand that like okay that's a part of me that's quite fragile what about that situation triggered me and what can i learn from that experience then the next time it happens again the trigger is not as powerful right because you're starting to heal it but you have to acknowledge it. You have to allow it first. Yeah. Right. This is really powerful. And, um, you know, what I can tell you, Emil, is that when I really adopted this philosophy 
in my own life when I started embracing all these triggers that started revealing themselves in my day-to-day -day interactions with people in my relationships. And when I started using those as access points for growth, I really feel like my life would start to transform. Whereas in the past, I would be projecting or I would make sure that I operate in a way or attempt to like bring the other person to operate in such a way so those triggers never get touched, right? It's like, oh, there's this huge gaping wound, but I'm like, don't touch that, right? Like I, I'm trying to conceal it. Um, whereas now I just do my best to operate in a way that is authentic, that is true and real for me. And if those triggers arise, um, coming into a place where I just really allow that. And it's really fucking hard. It is. And and again, like I said, your triggers should be celebrated. And if you can really celebrate them, great. But there are going to be times where it's going to catch you off guard. Yeah. And that's also great. Mila, I'm curious to hear, you know, I feel like you're already answering the question, but um, for the men that may perceive emotions as weak, I'm curious to hear, why, why do you believe it is important to have um, emotional intelligence? And maybe you can speak a little bit more about the value of your work ultimately. Yeah. How does this support men in their own personal lives? I think emotional intelligence is the key to you being fully self-expressive. And what emotional intelligence is, is getting you to understand your emotions. And what you're doing is you're inquiring in and going, what is this emotion telling me? Mm. What is this emotion triggering in me? Um, I think most people feel like it's weak is because emotions is energy and sometimes you can't control this energy. Yeah. And when we sit, imagine you have a glass of water and you sprinkle dirt into the water and you shake it around. This is you when you're emotional. <laughs> Can't see much. Shit's everywhere. Great analogy. <laughs> you know? And when you actually sit and you let it, the water still, the, the dirt seeps to the bottom and then you get clarity. This is why I say sit with your emotions. Sit with whatever's coming up. What is it trying to tell me? What about that situation triggered me? Maybe a boundary was crossed, right? I was literally talking to a client this morning and, you know, she's, you know, CEO of a, of a big company and she's dealing with some, some strong men in the company and her emotions are coming up. And she's like, can you, can you check this email before I send it? Because her emotions are up. And I said, cool. Well, let's, let's see where you're creating this from. Right. Because when we are in reaction, we are reacting you triggered my rune, I'm going to trigger yours. You did this to me, I'm going to say this to you. This doesn't get the best outcome. So if we were to let the water, the dirt sink to the bottom, and we have clarity, then we're going to come from a clear space. So when I say never react from an emotion, I always take a step back and go, okay, what, what actually happened there? How can I process this? And then... Once you have more clarity, then you respond. And that's the difference, responding versus react. Responding is I'm keeping my power. Reacting is I'm giving my power away, right? So with men and emotions, I think most men don't want to deal with their emotions. They'll rather just go to the gym or ignore it or take, you know, drink or take drugs or watch porn or, you know, anything to distract that feeling. I invite you, whoever's listening, I invite you 
the next time something comes up and you usually distract yourself, maybe it's food, maybe it's porn, maybe it's alcohol, stop for a moment, breathe, and just allow whatever is happening in your body to, to happen. It's not going to be comfortable. That's the point. And if we can lengthen that process and do it again and again, you're going to slowly transform it. Mm. Right? What, I love this. And during that process, when they're breathing, sitting still, what is it that they're doing just so they can have maybe a bit of context or like some place to put their attention towards? Yeah. So usually what happens when we get triggered, right? Our heart rate elevates. Um, our nervous system is, is triggered. In that moment, it's like, breathe for a second. Like the breath is one of the most powerful things to see exactly what's happening in the body. So if I'm hella triggered from something or a situation, my mind's going to be going from side to side. It's going to be back processing. They said this, then they said this, how could it this? Like you're replaying it in your mind, right? And if you can just breathe for a second, like I said, as you breathe, you take a deep inhale through the nose into the belly. Even if you just take a few breaths, that's already going to calm you down, right? Um, another way you can do is write, journal. What's actually going on for me right now? What about this situation triggered me? Who was, with, who was it with? Why did I get so annoyed, right? There's something here is telling me something. This is great. So in these moments, like you can breathe, you can write, you can go for a walk in nature. As you walk in nature, away from your phone, you're outside, you're getting, you know, vibration from nature. Walk bare feet, connect to the ground, ground yourself, right? In these moments, it's like, this is where you get to pause, right? We don't always have to rush to give a response, right? I say, take your time, come back, and then you give a more powerful response. I love this. I mean, and I trust as well that the listeners will really appreciate, you know, the bunch of tools that you've really offered them. And what I'll say as well, um, speaking to my own personal experience to the benefit of um, putting a lot of time and attention towards emotional regulation, emotional awareness, it allowed me to live in deeper connection to myself mm where I had a deeper understanding what was happening inside of me. And through that, I had an understanding of what my needs were. And I could as well operate in ways that were required of me. Depending on what I was feeling inside, there was a different need to each situation. And when I tended to that need, mm. it allowed me to show up in a way where I was more grounded, more centered, and felt ultimately more free and happy in my life. Whereas... In the past, when I would suppress and numb all of that and be like, I don't want to feel all that shit because once I feel it, I'll feel out of control. Um, that was really when I experienced a lot of anxiety, mm. depression, shame, and low sense of confidence because I knew that there was all this shit inside of me, but I had to operate in such a way where um, none of that gets touched. So ultimately, I don't go berserk, you know? Yeah. Well, out of control, right? And it's funny, the people that want the most control don't have control, <laughs> right? They just build little chapters in their lives and they stay in their little box. 
And it's interesting you, you mentioned getting needs met because ultimately that's all we're trying to do. We're trying to get our needs met. We're trying to feel seen, heard, and understood. And I used to do this thing, Alex, where I would get my needs met by being a people pleaser. I'm the nice guy. Yep. Can relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Nice guy. Let nice me, guy. Me, what do you need? Oh my God. Right. <laughs> and it's in the most manipulative way mm. to show up for someone because if they didn't give it back to me, the love that I want, and it has to look like this and in this shape because I went out of my way and I did extra things, but not because I really wanted to, yeah. but because I wanted my love yeah. to be met in a mm. certain way. Then I will cut them off. Hmm. And some friends, you know, would be like, what did I do? And I'd be like, you know what you did. And there was resentment and it was inauthentic. And um, ultimately, it left me more unhappy and, and disconnected and lonely. Yeah. This is powerful. And um, I really had to as well be humbled by my own manipulative nature. There's this book called No More Mr. Nice Guy. Have you ever read it? Yeah. yeah. I think that was one that really opened me up to the fact where I was being manipulative with the invisible contracts that I was creating about how I want other people to show up for me. Yeah. Like he has this term called covert contracts where you ultimately act in such a way, but you're giving perhaps only to get something in return and there is this unspoken agreement or um, demand that certain you operate in such a way that makes me feel happy or i don't know get my needs met and if you don't i'll i'll say why are you not there you know yeah. and i'll become resentful and all these things and and that was really something that i really had to open up to i think a lot of men we do this mm. like I don't know, unconscious, even you think about the dating scene, right? It's like, if I do this, she better show up like this, mm. right? And we don't speak truth or mm. we don't speak directly to it. Um, what we do is we do a whole bunch of gestures and I'm going to give her the flowers and I'm going to do this and she should show up in a certain way. What would be another pathway to operate moving forwards that would be less manipulative and more authentic? I think ultimately first you everything's got to start with ourselves. Right. So it's like, where do I need to be authentic with myself? Where am I still hiding and avoiding mm. pretending not to know? Mm. Right. I always ask that question. Where am I still hiding? Where am I still playing small? Hmm. Where am I still not showing up authentic? Hmm. Right. Because ultimately authenticity is truth. Hmm. Right. This is who I am. Take it or leave it. Right. And I think with dating and in that, in that, in that realm, it's, how can I express like, this is what I want. This is what I'm creating in my life. And for me personally, I ask the same question for them. Like, what are you creating? What's your vision? Where are you, where are you at? Right. I might be hella attracted to this woman, but if I don't share the same vision or same values, then I lose that attraction. Whereas before I was so wanting to get that approval and at least let me get the woman, you know, the hunt that, it wasn't about that. I would, I would, I would almost dismiss some of the red flags mm. because I'm attracted to her. Mm. And ultimately what you're doing is you're doing yourself a disservice in the long run, mm. right? The most important decision you can make in your life is your partner, mm. right? Because it's how it's going to affect everything, how you raise children, where you live, what you do, what you create. So for me, it's, I always ask the same thing. It's like, what is this person's values? Where are they going? Tell me about this. Like, I, I want to see that they have, we have things in common. They don't need to be exactly the same, 
but I want someone that has a similar mindset. Yeah. I love that, you know, because in many ways it polarizes the people that are in alignment with you from the ones that are not in alignment with you. And I feel like in many ways, I and many other men that I've spoken to attempt to conceal, adapt themselves in such a way where um, things can go smooth with another woman, or they may um, attempt to perceive the woman in a certain light yeah. and just bypass all the red flags they may be seeing so they can actually be in the relationship with the woman. Because what they're attempting to do is perhaps get some needs met of love, affection, whatever. And also it's, sometimes it, it, you might have, you know, the guy might have a low self-esteem. So it's, it's, it feels good to have someone pretty on your arm and sure, you know, and, and, and that's the way he's getting his needs met. And there's nothing wrong with it, but you have to really ask yourself, why am I in this relationship? Because yep. relationship I feel is to go deeper, hmm. to evolve, to grow, to mirror. Yeah. And if you're not, and why are you in it? Mm -hmm. I love that. And what we're really hearing is just this commitment towards being honest, being real, being authentic, and as well, um, be rejected or reject someone if it's not in alignment. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Emil, I would love to transition the conversation a little bit. And, you know, before we had this, before we came together for this interview, uh, we had a short conversation on the phone and you mentioned to me that you're part of a men's group, I believe. And you mentioned that you're going through a strict regimen at the moment and you're working as well towards an ayahuasca ceremony. Mm -hmm. Could you share us a little bit more about um, what it is that you're doing and what your intention is as well is behind it? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I leave next week actually to the Amazon mm -hmm. and I've been in a men's group for about a year. It's my first men's group actually. And what's interesting about this is that I didn't join the men's group the first time my buddy asked me. He asked me maybe two months before it started. And it's called The Eight. And I said, no, nah, I don't really want to do it. And I had resistance because I feel like I expressed myself quite well already. And I also was like, I hear about a lot of men's groups. And, and I'm very particular about where I bring, put my energy into the space. But being with other men has allowed me to have deeper connections with men and to understand them on deeper levels too. And what's been great about this group is that it's it's really well held. Um, we have strict guidelines and integrity in the group and we call ourselves out and we also have accountability, which I love. And I think it's so important to have accountability, right? You can have, you can be the most talented man in the world you can have the most skills but if you don't show up and are accountable then you will negotiate and you'll negotiate your way out of things right i can absolutely relate to that yeah. man and i'm i can be sneaky in these ways yeah. I, I see a lot of men being sneaky around that and, and that's the thing the ego the the more knowledge you get the more the ego becomes sneakier that's its job so it's really good to be held accountable and be like, and every week we put in our goals. This is what I'm doing this week. This is what I'm creating this week. And we, we hold each other accountable every week. And there's times where we, when we have our own personal, so we have groups of two and we have to check in every day, every day, not every second day. So every day we have to check in. This is what I did do. This is what I didn't do. 
this is how I'm going to show up next. And it's getting us to show up as men, as leaders in this space. So we've planned a, an end of year trip. And this is the, the trip that we're doing this time to meet up all together. And these coach, they're all coaches and they're all around the world. And um, we're meeting in, in Bogota. Then we fly out to the Amazon and we'll be there for 12 days in the Amazon. It's a long time. Yeah. It's, I'm so looking forward to it though, because I'm not going to have no connection to a phone mm. and we're going to be sitting in the jungle. We've got four ceremonies planned. And right now I'm on a, uh, they call it dieta. Yep. I think it's called. Yeah. Where we have to eat certain foods and even restrict ourselves. I have a meeting with the guys tomorrow. So we meet every Wednesday and we talk about this and we openly talk about what, what's been our struggles for the week or, you know, and, and I've been pretty clean with my eating. I'm doing meditation daily. So I'm doing like 45 minutes of meditation a day. I'm doing ice bath and saunas and I'm pretty dialed in because I just finished a retreat as well. So I'm, I'm pretty focused, but I'm also just, like I said, noticing as we're coming closer to the date, this is what will happen every single time when you're, when you know you're about to go deeper, shit's starting to arise. Yep. Right? <laughs> and, and also knowing, not knowing what's going to come out of it, but setting my intention. Now you asked me my intention earlier was, what is it? My intention is to open up more love and expansion in myself and to be more self-expressive. And what I mean by that is, is to really look at parts of myself where I'm still holding back because of fear of, of judgment or rejection and seeing where I can be more expressive because when we are fully self-expressive, that's when we have real freedom. Is that what you're desiring? I'm yeah. curious to hear why, why is that important to you? For me, like I said, it's, it's, it's when you express yourself in a way where you have no fear of what people think and care about, that's when you're free. Yeah. You can be the richest dude in the world and be afraid to express something and you're not free. Hmm. You can have everybody know you and you hide parts of yourself and you're not free. So for me, it's like, I, I love to move. Hmm. I love to be able to express. I love to connect. Hmm. And the more I do that with myself, unconsciously, I do that with people, hmm. right? You sit there and you're present with people. And like I said, three things, being seen, heard, and understood. Do it to yourself first. Sit with yourself first. And then see what opens up outside of you. Right? I love this. And in many ways, I, I feel like we have very similar drivers um, in our lives. I remember when I started this journey, I came to recognize how domesticated I've become. And I recognized as well how in many ways I was diminishing my own capacity to express or just be myself. And um, it was incredibly shocking for me. And around eight years ago, I went out to Thailand and Bali for the first time because nobody knew me. And because I didn't receive that reflection back to me who they thought I was, I could just be whoever I wanted to be. And it, that gave me such an immense sense of freedom that I continued pursuing that in my life. Now, of course, that experience was fleeting because there were certain mechanisms inside of me that uh, ultimately kept me to the personality that I believed myself to be. 
However, there was something about that mm. that consistently has pulled me to explore deeper expansion, deeper sense of freedom inside myself. It's funny when you go to a new country and nobody knows you. Hmm. So there's two things that happen. One, it's a new experience. So you're like, oh, everything's new. So it makes you be present. And then two, who do I want to be? <laughs> right? So it's a good thing, but also it's a, it can be addictive. Yep. Yeah. Curious to hear, what are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned um, being in a men's group for one year? And what did you learn about being a man? That we really do struggle with expressing our emotions. Um, being intimate with another man. And I'm not saying in the face of like physically, but just being intimate and being there with, with, our, with our fellow men. Um, that we really do struggle on a deeper level um, that people don't know about. What do people not know? Well, you may look at a guy, like I've got a guy in my group, and I'm not going to mention his name, but he's like this big, you know, muscly dude, and, you know, he's in jiu-jitsu and stuff, and he's a champion, and um, he's extremely tapped in. And he's very good at what he does. Like we have all coaches in our group and he's really good at what he does. And he's compassionate towards you, but he's so harsh to himself. Mm. Right. And I think we, we as men can be super harsh to ourselves. We can be like loving towards everyone else, but we're our standards for ourselves, including me. Yep. Just ridiculously harsh on ourselves. And I think the biggest thing I'm learning is is we need to be more compassionate and loving towards ourselves and, and give ourselves permission to feel, right? And I say permission because it's an automatic switch whenever we do. And even this year, Alex, the start of the year, my intention was to go, how can I be my best friend? How can I become my best friend? Like, how would I show up and speak for myself if I was my best friend? And I think even just that is it's this little thing I do for myself is acknowledge. And I think this is, if you're watching or listening, like do this for yourself, acknowledge yourself. Like when's the last time we really acknowledge yourself? Not for the big things that everyone goes, oh, you should, cause you made this much money, but like the little things, it's the little things that we acknowledge for ourselves daily that makes the big things. And when you can do that on a daily basis and go, well, well done. You know, at the end of the day, I, I literally go, well done. I give myself a tap, like I even kiss, give myself a little <laughs> kiss on the shoulder. And I'm like, you did it. You did great. Right. And sometimes it doesn't always look the way we wanted to, but we've got to understand that we're growing, we're evolving. And this is not the end. I love this. And an exercise I like to give to a lot of my clients, male clients specifically, uh, is to, um, bring to journal every evening mm. 10 things of acknowledgement mm. to themselves, things that they did, things that they showed up. And I, I really support them as well in a journey of entraining, um, seeing themselves as somebody who's good and noble and, and really sh like coming into an understanding of all the ways that they are showing up. Because it is, it is a thing that I feel a lot of uh, men we as as men we 
really see our value from our sense of doing. And I think there's something about it that doesn't have to be that bad, but um, often it can be that we illuminate all the things that we don't do good or yeah. the things that we're doing bad, but we don't see the things that we're doing really well. We're so good at like picking apart the, the one thing that didn't go right. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And, and ultimately there's a payoff and a cost for that. Mm. And the cost is, the payoff is that you become better. Yes. Right. You tweak. The cost is you never feel enough. Mm. Now, when you think about enough, what is enough? It's one of those things that's just illusion. Your enough might not, it might be different to my enough. Yeah. But it's never, it's, it's not conceivable. So I always say to you, like, when will you feel enough? Like, let's, let's, let's put it out there. If we can put it into a figure or this, when will you feel enough? And it's a good question to ask yourself because it's like, otherwise it's something that never gets answered. And it's like, you're constantly chasing this carrot. Right. And you're going to get to a place in your life. And especially with business and, and, and men in business, like where you're earning the money, you have the house, you have this, but you're still not fulfilled. And it's because you created from a place of lack and fear and not worthiness and not enough versus I love what I do. This is who I am, no matter what, this is what I create. And if you don't like it, that's cool, but I love it. Mm. I love this. And in a conversation, in a another interview that I heard from you, I heard you speak about success. And what really stood out for me was emphasizing who am I being as I go along the journey. And, and this is something that it, I'm really putting a lot of emphasis on because, you know, I'm on this journey uh, of growth and, you know, entrepreneurship and it's fucking hard. Yeah. Like it's just hard. And I've, I've come to recognize that I, I've attempted to chase achievement, success, whatever, appraisal, proof. Um, but I'm recognizing how I haven't been in a good relationship with myself throughout that time. Yeah. And if I don't do something about it now, that will sustain itself. And I, I've come to recognize, um, regardless of any success that I may create, it is not worth it if I cannot be in relationship, whether it's with myself or with another. Yeah, the most beautiful thing we can do is share. And if you can't express it or share it, it's only half the fun, right? This journey of self-development or even going deeper within yourself can be lonely, right? And at times you're gonna have to step outside your comfort zone. And sometimes that means leaving people behind. And that's part of it, right? As friends, as men, even at, what we do is we, you know, we're just friends because we've been friends for this long. But are they really serving you? Are they, do they really have your back? Are they helping you grow to be a better man? Mm. Or are they holding you back in this space? Yeah. And, and sometimes we have to really ask ourselves a real question to be like, am I happy with where I'm going? Mm. Do I want this to continue this way? And if not, you've got to have to have that real honest conversation with yourself. And that doesn't mean that you just flick off the people that aren't in alignment anymore. But naturally, as you grow, as you learn, as you, maybe you get a coach, maybe you go to a self-development workshop or a retreat, as you have more epiphanies, those blinkers open up more. And then you start to feel and connect to like-minded people in the space. Emil, you've been on this journey from what I understand for over a decade, right? And 
you've already mentioned in this interview that the journey never ends no. and things will always emerge and things will always arise. And I've noticed in myself that that can sometimes feel defeating, at least for myself, yeah. you know, and it can, so I can sometimes lose um, the vision of why I'm doing it. I'm curious to hear what drives you, what, what makes you stay so committed, you know, hearing as well, like this regiment for um, this upcoming ayahuasca journey and everything. What, like, what drives you to continue on this journey and stay so committed? I think I have to always re-identify my why. Mm. I have to always go back to my why. What is that for you? Um, it, it always comes back to, not right now, it's self-expression, full self-expression, right? Because that's when you are the most free. And I think... Ultimately, I want, I love, when I say free, I mean freedom to be who I want, when I want, how I want, to create business with who I want, right? To say, I'm going to create a, a retreat and then I run it and then I have the power to bring in facilitators that, I, that feel aligned with me and to facilitate change and transformation. That, that, that's, that literally lights me up. Like I just ran a retreat um, I finished last week five days the first one i've done in three years and just to be with people in the space and to facilitate change and transformation and to show that it doesn't have to be like this right i know exactly how that was that was me hmm. insecure in fear always the victim and it can show up like this hmm. you get to create the life you desire but you have to stay committed and consistent yeah and I think for me, it's like, as much as you says, it's defeating. It's only defeating when I'm trying to get rid of it. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So if I'm not trying to get rid of it and I'm learning how to be with it, then I go, it goes along with me. It's part of me. Yeah. But if I'm doing this work to get rid of something, of course, it's going to feel defeating because you're going to be like, I, I thought I worked on this. I've already done this work. And what we start to realize is that it's part of us. The moment you accept it's part of you, then we transform our relationship with it. We're not getting rid of it. And when we can transform our relationship with it, we know that it's going to pop up at times. You're going to get triggered. It's going to get, it, you're going to react in certain ways sometimes. Cool, right? But you get better at responding to it. You get better at dealing with it, right? There's things that I would never do, um, 20 years ago when I first started this, right? Even confrontation and having those difficult conversations. Now I'm totally fine having difficult conversations. I'm helping clients have difficult conversations because I'm teaching them how to deal with their emotions when they're going through it. Now, back in the day, I would avoid confrontation at all costs because it was uncomfortable. Remember, I'm the people pleaser. Recovering people pleaser, <laughs> right? And, and you know, you don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. Now, for me to be an effective coach, speaker, I had to let go of being liked. Your results are worth more than you liking me. Right? So if I've got to make you uncomfortable and I've got to call you out in your shit, then I'm going to call you out in your shit. I'm not paying you to like me. But you will get results. And from that, you will get more of what you want and what you desire in life. I love this. This is so powerful. And speaking to this idea of freedom, um, yeah, 
I feel the freedom that you're really talking about is this inner sense of freedom that um, allows us to express in, in a way that is with more range. Yes. And uh, we, ha we have a deeper ability to choose what we want to bring through from moment to moment. Whereas I believe the context and the paradigm that most people live in and that I've lived from for many years is I'll be free when and like seeking this external sense of freedom that would allow me to feel that inner sense of freedom. But I've come to recognize within myself, regardless if I get there or not, there is, even if I meet that point on the, on when, as soon as I meet the point, yeah. there is going to be another version of that sense of external freedom that I need to meet so I can feel that within. And it's a never ending rat race. Always. It's the whole thing, uh, when I have the car, when I have the relationship, when I have the the partner, then I'm going to be enough or feel enough or, you know, when I make the seven figures. And I'm telling you right now, even like I turned 40 in April. Last, last April, I just turned 40. And, you know, in my head, by now I should have been married, had kids, family, all this stuff, right? And what I had to let go of is the comparison of what everyone else is creating and understand that everyone's journey is going to open up at their time. And I think this is one of the biggest things is that we constantly are looking out what's everyone else doing instead of focusing on your own lane, stay in your lane mm -hmm. and keep it simple. Just want to check in. Do you have maybe 10 more minutes? Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, Cause I'm really curious to hear a bit more about this idea of staying in your lane mm -hmm. and letting go of the sense of comparison, because I definitely see it in my life, right? Yeah. The sense of uh, comparing myself to others. And then there's the sense of, oh, I either feel superior or I feel inferior to you, yeah. right? So how, um, how would you support somebody and, and really staying to their lane, but then as well, removing that sense of comparison? So whenever we compare, we are comparing to to see if we are inferior or superior based on what we're comparing. Now, if I am superior, then I feel good. My ego gets fed. If I'm inferior, then I don't feel as good, right? And then I beat myself up about it. So what we're doing is we're trying to put ourselves in, where do I fit in here? And ultimately what you're doing is you're taking away from your gifts in this space. You're taking away from your skill. You're taking away from who you are. Now, the reason why I say keep it simple and stay in your lane is because the moment you focus on what is my vision, what am I doing, what am I creating, and I focus on my own unique skills and who I am in this space, then it, it evolves for me. But the only person I'm comparing myself is to the person I was yesterday. And every day I build habits, I build structures, right? We have to have great habits. We have to have structure. Without structure, everything falls to the ground. You look around this place, there's going to have certain structures that are made in this building to keep this building solid. If you don't have a strong foundation, which is your base, and then you start to build, and you build with cheap wood, your, your structure will fall. So when you are building your own house, you're not looking at the next door neighbor's house. You're not looking at the house. You're looking at like, what's the house I want to build? What's the home I want to build? Right, And when I say home, I mean, what's the love I want to put into this space? How do I want it to look? How do I want it to feel? What kind of garden do I want to create? Right, You are the creator. We are the creator. Now, when you understand that you're the creator, it's like, how do I want to feel? Who do I want to be around me? Um, 
maybe I'll put a comfy ass chair here and this will be my reading. Like you get to create this. We all get to create this. But if we constantly look outwards, that takes energy. And that plays in our mind. And when you look on Instagram and you're constantly looking at other people and you're looking at relationships, you know, oh, I wish I had this, I wish I had that. It's like it's taking away from you working on the thing that you need to do. Cool, have a look, but come back to your presence. Come back into your body. Stay here, right? And as you create from that space and really check into what you value, because you are what you value, and if you're clear on your mission and your vision, it won't matter what people are doing. I love this. And I feel like the more we go on, the more questions I have, and I feel like I could just go on with you for hours. Um, but I, I would like to slowly wind down the conversation and just uh, finish off with a few questions um, that I have for you uh, based on everything that we've spoken about. One thing that I really feel pulled to ask you is, um, what have you learned to appreciate about men within this one year that you've been in the men's circle? Their ability, specifically my group, their ability to call each other forward and step up as leaders, even when it's uncomfortable. I love this. And I, I want to maybe just offer an, a distinction between calling somebody forward and calling somebody out. Yeah. So calling somebody forward would be um, an example of, like like I said to you, an exercise that we we did in the group, which was... Where I, feel, where I feel, we did this exercise where we all went around the group and we all gave feedback. I think feedback is extremely important to how we show up. And we worded it like this, where I feel you can be more effective and where I feel you to be really effective. And we went around and we gave feedback and the feedback came from a place of of like, I want this person to get this, right? When we when we treat each other like that versus like competing, like of course you can compete, but in a friendly way. When we treat each other like where I want you to win, you feel supported. And when you feel supported by your brothers, by you, when you feel supported by men, like nothing's out of range. You feel unstoppable. I love this. And, and this is something I consistently speak about. Uh, within the value of men's work that I really see that mm. when we can acknowledge the power in another man, but then as well still see our own power yeah. and share that power with each other and actually use that power to rise up together. Um, as you said, we are unstoppable. So uh, yeah. And another, another thing just to add, we've got to always, always make sure that when someone else gets acknowledged for certain something, that that doesn't take away from who you are. Mm. Because naturally, that's what we can do sometimes. Yeah, We can actually be like, oh, I wish that was me. Mm. So whenever that gets triggered, trick, check in. Yeah. Where is it coming from? Yeah, and I imagine as well that kind of leads to us maybe withholding, yes. giving appreciation or acknowledgement yeah. to somebody else. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, I love that. That's really powerful. I'm curious to hear if there's one message that you'd have for men or women listening to this podcast, what would it be? What's alive for me right now is whenever you feel discomfort, go towards it. Go towards it, touch it, explore it, inquire. Powerful. It's always talking to us. And 
if you can consistently go towards it and touch it and be with it and nurture it, you're going to have more range. And if you can have more range, you're going to have more expression. And if you have more expression, you're going to have a beautiful life. Yes. Yes. I love it. You know, and reminds me one of my favorite quotes uh, by Joseph Campbell, the cave you fear to enter holds a treasure that you seek. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I just want to thank you, first of all, for being on the podcast, Emil. I really want to just acknowledge you for your wisdom, for all the work that you're doing, for the commitment um, for your own personal journey and really lean into those edges and really go on a journey of um, leaning into your own discomfort. I know it takes a lot of courage. I know it takes a lot of strength and it takes a lot of character. And I really see that in you. And I just want to really acknowledge you for that. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. You know? And uh, thank you for for doing this because it's needed. It's needed for men to hear that message and um, the way you show up as well, Alex. Like I've been in your circles, the way you hold space, and uh, I really respect it. And your ability to continue to keep going in there, even when it has been uncomfortable. Like this is what what it's all about. So, hmm. I appreciate that. One closing question. As you know, the podcast is called The Heart of Man. And the intention, the idea behind the name for me was, um, you know, that heart space for me was always the most tender and most vulnerable space that I didn't want anybody to know of. And with that, I concealed it as well for myself for many years. And now I'm, I'm coming into the space of wanting to understand my own heart space, but then as well the heart of other men. And so I'm curious to hear what enlivens your own heart and drives you at your deepest core? I think the thing that drives me is to continually keep growing and to see other parts of me that I haven't really touched yet. And I think with the heart, it's, it's, it's quite big and there's several parts of it. And I think the more we explore that on a deeper level, the more we're gonna be able to connect I love it. Thank you so much. To all the to all our listeners, I just want to thank you for checking in. Uh, thank you for being part of the conversation. As always, if you have any questions, uh, if you want to share your insights or lessons, uh, feel free to reach out. And until next time, much love. Thank you for listening to this episode. Your time and attention is truly appreciated. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to subscribe to stay tuned for my upcoming episodes. And in case you know somebody who would find this episode helpful, I encourage you to pay it forward. Finally, if you've personally been receiving value from the show, one way you're able to support this podcast is by leaving a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Not only does this help more people find the show, but it also supports me in bringing more incredible guests on for the future. I'm your host, Alex Lehman, and until next time, signing off.